everyone. In today's podcast edition, I wanted to talk to employees in the corporate sector to build on future skills. Why? Well, because over the last seven to 10 years, we've had so much automation and technology. Um, and it has rapidly and distinctively changed just about every aspect of how we live our lives. And our working lives certainly aren't exempt from this. Even those of us who don't work in technology companies will find either AI-abled machines or automation has increased and become very present in our day-to-day -day activities. This is from how we are recruited and onboarded and how we go about on-the-job training, personal development, and eventually passing on our skills and experience to those who follow in the footsteps. Now, as technology will continue to play an, an enormously a prominent role both in our work and in our lives. It's no debate that we're looking at building future skills in this podcast for different age groups. Whether you are entering the workforce or that you've been in the workforce for over 20 to 25 years and that you might not have even been working with technology. To this group, there's the notion of automation in the workplace that makes some people uncomfortable because it is often thought as something that will replace humans and lead to job losses. However, when it comes to automation integration today, the key word is very much augmentation and that the idea that technology will help us do our jobs more efficiently and not take our jobs away or replace us. A key idea is that they will take over the mundane aspects of our role, leaving us free to do what humans do best, um, any task that requires creativity or human-to-human -human interaction. Now, to talk to us about this change to the workforce, I'm speaking to Alok Gupta, CEO of LSF Global and Executive Coach. Always lovely speaking with you. Thank you very much, Alina. No, that's, that's, that's an amazing uh, introduction to the, I would call the future state of work and the future skills. So absolutely augmentation, robotization, automation. I think these are words which have become very common today. And, and, mm. and, and I think uh, the best experiences in the COVID-19 world today, yes. and I guess we are practicing this social distancing today, though we are in the same room, but I guess <laughs> there's enough social distance in front of us. Absolutely. Not a great thing to be, but I guess the COVID-19 has helped us realize that Technology is not all that bad mm. as well, right? Uh, in spite of the COVID-19 situation, when we can't come out, we can't really meet people, we still are connected. And what if this technology wasn't there? Could we have run our business the way we have been running in this new normal? Absolutely. I mean, when I think about Zoom and having all of our meetings virtual um, and working from home, that's absolutely changed um, a trend in the way we actually work. And that, that's looking to change in a, uh, you know, in, in a broader scope. But let's start with um, really looking at this type of change, whether it's automation or whether it's just you know, unfortunately being unemployed or being put on furlough or just, just taking back reduced hours. Can you give us some examples of change within the workforce from the point of view from your clients, your large clients, some of whom are Fortune 100s, Fortune 500s? 
Sure. No, absolutely. And I guess the changes are happening everywhere, Shalina. And let's start uh, looking at the banks first. Now, there's an interesting um, phrase I used to use uh, that once upon a time, you used to go to the bank. Today, the bank comes to you in your pocket, in your palms. So obviously, the amount of people we needed in a branch in the past are not needed. Mm. So does that mean the branch don't exist? No, they do exist, right. but the numbers have reduced dramatically. Mm. So if you today, if you go into HSBC, which is one of our clients, so in the past, they may need 100 branches, but yeah. today they have 50 branches, you know, 50% mm. reduction. Yes. In the past, they would need 100 employees maybe to man up these uh, 50 branches, but now maybe they need uh, just 50 employees or less. So the point I'm trying to make is that the branches are becoming reduced. Yep. And in the future, we will see a lot more reduction over there. So that's a quick analogy on the banking industry or what's happening over there. Now, if you look at the insurance sector, again, things are getting automated over there. Mm -hmm. So there was a time where I would have an agent who would come and collect my check. Mm. But now the agent just tell me, you know, here's the login. You can just go in, transfer the money and right. you're done. Right. So absolutely, that agent does not exist for me in person but the work is still getting done. So that's an example of the insurance industry, right? And that's a grand example of people that are in the insurance industry. And many of many of my friends and folks that I've worked with in for my own insurances, some of my insurance agents, the most trusted ones are the ones that are in their 40s and 50s, you know, who've been doing this for well over 20, 25 years, yeah. who can really talk to me um, about the nitty gritty details of the terms and conditions. But yet these are the ones that are affected in the way they traditionally sell insurance yeah. and service a client um, just because of these processes. That is heartening to know that they're not going to go away because no. we're always going to want their personal touch, their customer service. It's just that the processes or the automation behind that, that enables um, efficiencies yeah, that's Abs wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. And and you bring a great point over there. So will these people go away? And the sad answer is some people, yes, Shalina, mm -hmm. they will go away. But then the good news is that the jobs will not go away. Mm -hmm. It will be different kind of jobs. And here's a catchy phrase for you and for the audience that... Uh, in the past, your grandfather worked in one company for a lifetime. I, my generation, worked in maybe five companies in a lifetime. But our kids going to work in five companies at the same time. So what that means is, can my grandfather today get a job in the digital age? Perhaps not. But can I get a job in the digital age? Perhaps yes. And there's a big perhaps because I need to upskill myself. So the point is there will be those who are not able to cope up with the current technology, the current automation. So coming to your point on insurance agents, now if they are not able to cope up and learn the new way of transacting, then clearly we have a problem over there. But if they're able to embrace a change, then obviously they do have a job, right? And here, here's an example of, of a lady who kind of I know from many years. So she is 60 plus. 
And she was a great top performer agent for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And now with automation, she is struggling because she was used to that paper. Now she's trying to run, but it is not efficient to run to 10 clients in the same day versus making 100 phone calls in the same day. Correct. And no matter how hard she works physically, she can't beat technology. And so, and, and that's, again, you raise a really good point. How are organizations dealing with that? Because some of their, you know, senior salesmen, agents um, have been with them over the last 20 to 30 years, and they drive um, a lot of that business. They bring in the revenue, um, and yet there's so much change around automation. For a person that's resistant, you know, that's clearly a different uh, that's a that's a different set of subset group of people mm. where we would manage change a little differently. But for the rest of us, um, what is the organization's responsibility right. to upskill, yeah. you know, people within their uh, you know within the, their own companies? Yeah, and 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 I'm gonna say that's a great question, Shalina, because uh, clearly some organizations are doing a lot, and some are doing moderate amount of support and some are doing nothing at all right so the point i would try to make to be fair to the organization and i'm going to give two responses one from an employee perspective another from the employer perspective so let's kind of look at the employee perspective since that's your question so Yes, it is the employee's responsibility to give you that opportunity, to give you that support. Now, we do work with a lot of companies. We kind of design these trainer manuals for them. We, desi we design the end-user trainings for these guys. So what is an end-user training? So, for example, if we are implementing a new system to do meetings with customer, and recently we were involved in a project where all the salespeople were given iPads, so essentially, while they were on the fly meeting customers, you know, they can update on the iPad right away, right? So, but then it is not easy to kind of just get onto the iPad and do it. So what we need to do, we needed to create an e-learning, we needed to do some roadshows, we needed to do some change management interventions so they can acquire the skills needed to really use that iPad sales meeting software more effectively and efficiently, right? So yes, there are organizations which are doing that training, that upskilling so that people can learn and cope up with the new technology. But then having said that, now I'm talking from the employee perspective, it is not easy for everyone, right? So, you know, there's a famous book called Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. I just recently <laughs> uh, was watching John Gray um, <laughs> talking about men and, or rather Venus and Mars beyond. Yes. So he, he's, he's definitely a very interesting character and has a deep sense of what women want and yeah. how men should... Um, you know, how, how men and women should uh, be interacting with one another. But Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, so this is no pun intended and no disrespect. So the point I'm trying to make, I mean, say, if you look at the general demographic of software engineers or people who embrace technology really quickly, uh, mostly are men, right? So I notice out of 10, uh, eight women kind of struggle a bit with the technology. And that is where employers or organizations need to put that extra to find the demographic, which is the kind of demographic where there's women, old people need more support, right? And some organizations are clearly doing that. Now, some organizations don't have the resources. 
So it is not that they don't want to, but they don't have the resources to have, let's say, trainings for one year long, right? So at certain point, they got to kind of stop their loss and stop their training and let the employees go on, which mm. means, mm. which means that some employees will lose their job. Because as an organization, I need to be self-sustainable. So I can't have a leaking bucket. Yes, I'm going to try, I'm going to support. But then eventually, if things don't pick up over, let's say, one year of my change management, I may have no option other than to replace the employee. Yes, that's the hard truth of life. But that brings me to a really good question, which leans towards organizations that may not want that stop loss mm -hmm. and want to rear or enforce change but don't have the resources to do it. How does LSF training or um, your training systems lead or support that change for organizations mm -hmm. and mature employees? No, that's a great question. And, and that's the beauty about the work we do in LSF because today we are a consulting firm with 1,100 solutions. What that means, we have a solution at every price point. So let me give you first the most expensive solution, right? So recently I was kind of dealing with this uh, team which has about um, 100 people in operations in India and Hong Kong. Now, they want to do a culture change program, which involves executive coaching, it involves group coaching, it involves, you know, roadshows, it involves assessment, it involves initiative. So essentially, what we have designed is a one-year program, and it's going to cost you just about a million to a million dollars, right? <laughs> so that's an example of the resources yes. being available. But then your question is about what if you don't have the resources? then I would say sometimes we have designed programs like webinars. Right now, again, here, it is free for you because you, let's say you are the boss in the company mm -hmm. and you got a 10-people team, right? That's it. You're a startup. You can run a webinar. What you can use us for is slicing that webinar. What that means is I'm going to use that webinar. I'll pepper it with some different modules by slicing it into five modules add some nice interactive tools like animation and put an assessment and that's going to cost you maybe like 20,000 bucks but then you have the opportunity of recycling that webinar which is now turned into an e-learning maybe 100 times right so it's a one-time investment and you can even go as cheap as 5,000 bucks right 5,000 Hong Kong dollars which is like you know less than even 1,000 US dollars Correct. so we can really kind of give you those simple tools and let's say you don't even have that, we can give you free recommendation of free software as a subscription-based uh, sites where you can do your own thing, right? Get an employee, get him to run the webinar, let him slice it, let him put in video animation, and there you go. Mm. You design your own training in-house. Yes. Um, and that's taking L&D to a whole new level. Exactly. And, and he, here's the funny thing, right? Because a lot of small companies, and I, I also work with clients with 1,000 employees, they don't really have an L&D department. Sure. And 
we have an amazing solution for them. So, you know, rather than, than having a person which you're paying 30 days in a month, and clearly, let's, let's assume you've got 100 employees, mm -hmm. you don't really need somebody working in L&D the whole month, right? Uh, you know, you're lucky if you have one HR person for managing 100 employees. So for that, we suggest you get a really good expert, but don't pay by the month, pay, let's say, two hours, you know, in a week. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. what you're getting, you're getting top notch talent, which the compensation of that employee may be like one million dollars. But let's say you're paying that person just hardly, let's say, ten thousand dollars in a week. Or let's say you use four hours in a month, you're paying twenty thousand dollars for the whole month. But you're getting the top class expertise to manage your hundred employees just by way of having that template at the back that the softwares that 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 solve the problem of building those tools. Yes, um, that's software tools, but more important than that, you do need guidance. Yes. Because so it's like this, right? So, you know, do you make videos, Shalina? I do. I do with, with limited, um, you know, with limited uh, abilities, but Correct. I certainly do. It's so, easy. So the point is, now for you to design a pro, a professional class video may take you two days, but that professional who is doing videos every day, he can design that pro video in like 30 minutes or maybe five minutes, right? I can believe that. And that's the what you pay for expertise. Now, you know, sometimes a lot of clients tell me, oh, this is just one hour work, you know, why are you charging so much? The point is not that. That one hour work is for me, which was built over 25 years of expertise. But... It may take you like even maybe two years, you may not get that quality of work because you are not the expert when it comes to human transformation. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I'm thinking, you know, we're thinking about people and organizations and the responsibilities that organizations have towards their own employees to ensure that they are constantly upskilling. Um, but here's the other side of things. Um, whether you're within the organization or moving towards your next career um, step. What would you, as, a, um, as an executive CEO, suggest um, that an employee do on his own to get onto and accelerate that ladder of learning and future skills? Yeah. Well, uh, I wish there was a shortcut, Shalina. Uh, there's clearly no shortcut over here. So number one thing, and I'm going to give you a real example. So this is um, a client of mine, and he used to be uh, working in uh, straight street finance, and today he's working in Morgan Stanley. Now, clearly this person has identified that his future is not being a banker. His future is being a data scientist. The funny thing is that he, right. he never knew that before he started working with me. So essentially, my role was very simple to help him identify the direction, the vision he needs to have. And that's the first step. So once he identified that, now he can't just be quitting that job as a banker because he needs to even pay for the education as a data scientist. But then now what he's doing, he's studying every day, two, three hours, and he just kind of, uh, you know, finished three, four modules in Python. You know, that is that is a yeah. big data analytics kind of study. And over time, he's going to get those qualifications, those credentials to be a data scientist. So here is a clear example that you need to really have guidance and direction so that somebody can help you go in the right direction. 
then you need to actually go and study because there's no shortcut, right? You need to Absolutely. prepare yourself for the skills. So think about it this like this. When you were young, you spent 20, 25 years studying in school, in university, in getting all those courses. And a lot of that is not applicable today, right? And then you, you think you're going to do some stupid online e-learning. And I'm using the word metaphorically, so it's not really stupid. But I'm just saying, let's say you do one hour e-learning or 10 hours e-learning. And you think you're going to be an expert. It doesn't work like that. So expertise takes time. It takes investment. It takes quality work. And when you invest that time in future, nobody can stop you from being an expert. And here's a quick analogy I'm going to give you. It is not the quantity of investment of time and effort you make. It's the quality. And quality is dependent on consistency. So I think there's an analogy I keep giving time and again. Success is not an outcome of hard work. Success is an outcome of consistent work. Going to a gym once in a month, not going to make your muscle. Going to the gym every day is going to make your muscle, even if it's 15 minutes. Yes. So if you're investing a 15 minutes or an hour every day towards becoming a big data expert, in a year you get 365 hours. In three years, you get 1,000 hours of expertise. Mm. Try to consider that. Try to digest that. And then you know how to become that expert for the future. That's excellent. So, Alok, just off the cuff, you know, when we were talking another time before this podcast, you had mentioned that you have such a robust um, training system modules that cover so much education. Incidentally, can you give us a little bit of um, an insight as to um, these modules? Which sectors do they cover? Right. No, that's, that's a great question. So, Broadly, I mean, say, before I kind of get into the modules, which is going to be a lot for to cover, so for yeah. that, people can simply go to our, to our website, lsfglobal.com, and check them out. But I'm going to give you something even more powerful. You remember, I'm a formula man. So here's a formula for you to digest, and then you will be able to understand what drives us. So I call this DI, BI, and PI. So what is DI. DI stands for domain intelligence. So what is domain intelligence? Banking, for example, is domain, right? It's technical skills. Uh, shipping is another domain. So what do we do in DI? We just do two things. We give people technology skills. Could be, uh, you know, Python training, big data training. We are not the people who are going to help you get PhDs, but we are the people who can give you coaches in your companies. We are the people who run uh, workshops on Python and run certifications for that. So that's one DI. The second DI we cover is banking, right? So a lot of financial services training. So whether mm. it's uh, credit finance, trade finance, we cover a whole gamut of training when it comes to banking. In fact, uh, we have the largest offering on the planet. We have the largest offering on the planet when it comes to e-learning in banking. Wow. And that is about 600 courses. That is a phenomenal amount. Thank you. And that covers the first element, DI. So you need to really figure out what DI. So we clearly don't cover everything over there. We just cover two things, which is banking and we cover technology, right? So that is DI. 
then we come to the second uh, the second point which is which is about um, your pi which is what is pi pi is people intelligence mm. so people intelligence involves two things it is about intelligence of other people you deal with mm. and it is also about your personal intelligence self awareness is about your strengths it's about your capabilities and that is something which clearly you don't have a choice if you're running a business if you're working in a company you just need to know how to deal with people more effectively in fact why are we doing this podcast our core purpose is that people know how to deal with each other much more better and know themselves better right so Absolutely. with that we cover all the industries because the beauty of pi it is across industries similar so that is pi that's the second uh, element we cover uh, the third element we cover uh, which is what we call business intelligence now business intelligence some people also use soft skills as a term which is organ- but we don't understand or don't like to use the word soft skills because it is not fair to the business so for example if you think about organization development which is a core part of our business intelligence curriculum uh, if you think about you know how to deal with stakeholders which is a core part an element of it is soft skills but there's also hard skills over there so that's the third element so whether it's negotiation is leadership is sales we cover all of that so to kind of sum it all up all our modules are focused around domain intelligence number 1 people intelligence number 2 and business intelligence as number 3 You kind of are doing it all. It's end to end. Thank you. I can see how organizations would approach you and enlist LSF Global um, into the L and D piece, um, into upskilling their people. So if you know, if I, um, as a coachee, um, were to come to you because I wanted to really do a d- uh, deep dive as to what I truly want to do. and that leads to you helping me assess it which is the first step um and then being able to acquire those skills can i do that just as a just as a, a you know a person away from the organization to personally come and just sort of be able to cherry pick exactly what i want to learn next for a job that maybe i might be going for two years down the line no no absolutely and 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 that's a great point so uh at LSF we got a what we call a 3E strategy what does that mean so the first E uh, signifies enterprises which is the organization we were talking about correct the second E signifies entrepreneurs which are small businesses so we work with even 10 employee companies and the third E answers your question which is executives so whether you are big or small in the management cadre you're still an executive in our definition and these executive broadly work with us in two ways one we run a lot of public forums so for example next month we are having something called reinventing your careers reinventing your skills for the covid-19 world yeah so people look out for this i am truly excited thank um, you so many people are so impacted that's going to be uh, that's going to be a, a wonderful presence for everybody that's needing some of their questions answered so i'm pretty sure that those questions will be answered absolutely so just to give you a flavor of that uh, so shalina that is a pure community work for executive for individuals and even if you're not an executive because you got redundant or lost your job we want to help the community and the best part of that shalina we are doing it free That's so generous. 
we we are doing it free and we have you know speakers experts from pccw we got deloitte you know we got you know accenture we got uh, jp morgan we got hyatt hotels we got amazing amount of speakers and experts which going to give their take on how we can reinvent our careers and our skills for the future and this is not a future we are talking about 20 years down the line we are talking about the covid 19 future or the covid 19 present because so many people are affected and these are executives which can totally use it so that is one category of work we are doing that's an example of a webinar we are doing we would love to do an offline conference but then we don't want to stop the work people need to get benefited individuals executives like you mm-hmm. coaches yes. need to get benefited wow i absolutely look forward to that um and finally where do we find you if we have a question with regards to our employment or if we need ideas or we need a coaching session no absolutely and 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 shalina i mean say I'm very accessible right so uh, it's very easy to connect with me on LinkedIn on Twitter and even Facebook um, my name is very simple alugupta.com but the best way is just type my name alugupta.com uh, that's a a l o k folks you. if you're listening out for this podcast <laughs> thank you very much for that so that's a l o k and g u p t a and once you kind of type that in google you'll get my name i would love to be connected i'd love to help you and do whatever i can to support you developing the skills for the future. Well, that is excellent. Thank you so much. Always such a pleasure to speak to you. I learn so much every time um we do these podcasts. Thank you again. Thank you for doing this, Shalina. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and if you found this work useful, please go ahead and share it with someone who can benefit from it. Remember this, my friends. This is not something you learn in school. It took me 25 years of career journeys learning from mentors and coaches to find and distill these techniques. And now I want more and more people to benefit from it. So it will really mean the world to me if you can hit that subscribe button, put a comment and share it with someone who can use it. Thank you.